welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. We are coming back on air even sooner than we thought we would be, right? Yeah, we actually kind of have an exciting show today. We have an interview with Dan Wilkin of USA Today. He's a college football writer for them and also one of the hosts of the Football 4 podcast, something that we listen to a lot. And um, Robbie reached out to him and asked him if he'd come on, and he politely obliged. So we're both really pumped about the the interview, and we're going to play it for you in a second. But first, uh, Robbie, why don't you give us a cheers? Well, I think uh, we'll give a cheers out to Dan. Um, You know, uh, the thought in me originally reaching out to him was – uh, I love being as close as we are to the program. I love giving you know news and insight on um, what's happening um, and you know coaching situations or player situations, all of those things. And we're going to bring you tons of that content. But one thing that we thought we could be unique in is bringing a national perspective. Uh, unfortunately, Virginia Tech in the national news um, has really been limited to you know a win over Ohio State and our coach retiring. Not exactly the two, no, <laughs> the two best points that you want to. Uh, well, the Ohio State game was good. Yeah, the, the Ohio State game. But when that's really it, we wanted to give some national perspective. So, um, on what people think about the program, what's going on, what what the big time uh, national media is kind of saying about it. And this was an opportunity to do so. And Dan was awesome and nice enough to uh, to come on. So let's give a cheers to kind of Dan Wilkin. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it was a great interview that, um, you know, we're going to have with them. Cheers. Woo. So without further ado, enjoy the interview. Well, we're joined now by Dan Wolkin. Uh, he's a national college football writer for the USA Today. Um, he's also uh, a host of Football Forward Podcast. Uh, Pete and I both listen to it. We think it's a fantastic podcast. So he's agreed to come on today and, and answer some, some questions about the Virginia Tech program. And uh, Dan, it's a pleasure to have you. What's going on, guys? I appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Uh, to, to kick things off, we wanted to start at a kind of a high level. Um, you know, Virginia Tech over the last 15 years has had a lot of success in the Big East and uh, over a 15-year period in the Big East, the ACC, and they even played for a national title back in uh, the 99 year. Uh, the last four seasons have been a lot more mediocre. What, what do you think is the national perce- perception today of the program, and do you think hiring Fuente you know, changes that in any way? Well, look, nobody goes on forever in coaching, right? I mean, that's just sort of the way of the world. So um, Frank Beamer had an unbelievable run at Virginia Tech and elevated the program to a level that it had never been at before. And you go back through those teams and, you know, how many ACC titles they won or played for, you know, how often they were in the top ten. That's pretty incredible stuff, but like it happens to every coach, um, you know, he got old and the game evolved and, um, you know, it just, it just, it's very hard to hold on to that for years and years and years. Um, But I think the good news for Virginia Tech is that it didn't bottom out completely. I mean, those teams the last few years weren't as good, but they weren't like South Carolina level bad last year i mean right. that's that's the the worst case scenario is when it completely falls apart they, they never did that um but look the reality of 
college football, and I've said this um, many times over the years, you know, you go back through the last 60 years or, or basically ever since um, integration in college football on a national basis, and there's only about 24 schools that have won national titles, okay? Um, and a couple of them are like sort of one-off fluke titles. You know, there was a Pitt title in there somewhere. There was a BYU, you know, which would never happen today because, um, you know, basically they just sort of worked their way up the polls and then they ended up playing a you know, six and five team in a bowl game and won it. And they were sort of the last man left standing. They weren't the best team in the country. So I say all that to say that you, you will not have going forward, I think, um, a, a variety of schools that win national titles. It's, it's largely going to be your blue bloods. Is Virginia tech in that group? No, but are they just below it? Yeah. And, I, that means they can, you know, they can win SEC. Or I'm sorry, ACC titles. Um, they can get into the college football playoff, and maybe if things fall their way, they can sort of luck into a national championship. But but year in and year out, I mean, th- that's not a program that's built to win titles, but it's built to be really good. And um, I think hiring Justin Fuente um, was a great hire, and they will conti- they will be, they will get back to being really good. Um, if he's the kind of coach that I think he is. Um, but you can never judge a program just by winning a national championship. Um, because like I said, so few actually do. Can you get a high level, um, you know, competitive product there? Yes. And I, and that's what they should strive for. And I think that's what they'll continue to, to have. No, absolutely. And, and, and that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, I think the VT fan base is, is, is relatively down to earth, at least in my perception and those I inter- interact with in that, you know, for us, we know we're not going to be playing for, you know, national championships, but a shot at making the playoff, I think is, um, is something that we would be striving for. And then, you know, if we can compete for ACC titles, then, you know, we'd be excited about that. The, the next is, um, you know, Justin Fuente is, is kind of known as a you know, master kind of motivator. Uh, you know, his sideline antics are, are fun to watch when he gets people pumped up. And he's a good developer of talent, um, but not really known on the recruiting side as things as well uh, at, at Memphis. Granted, you know, he was going up against stiff competition on the recruiting trail. But how do you think he's viewed as a recruiter? And where do you think, you know, once he's got his pipeline up and running, uh, obviously he's targeting hard the 757 area. Yeah, but you know, but that's that area is getting picked off by the big teams. What what do you think it's going to look like for him on the recruiting trail? Well, I'm sure he's got a great strategy, you know, for how he's going to attack, you know, the seven five seven, and I think everyone knows that that's that's the key uh, to success, either at Virginia or Virginia Tech, is is getting players out of that region. Um, you also have to get some guys in the Carolinas and Georgia, and, and of course everybody recruits Florida. Um, so that's not a geographic area that he um, has really worked in before. So that that would be the biggest question mark just in terms of his entire tenure. As far as what kind of recruiter he is generally, um, I, I think it's hard to say. I mean, look, at Memphis, um, that's a job where uh, you're not typically going to recruit you know, the four- and five-star level players. Um, I think what they did there, he and his staff, is they were very good at evaluating talent. I mean, and that's a huge part of the battle. Um, you have to get the right guys. You get 25 scholarships a year that you can give out. 
and you have to make the, the right decisions. You have to um, identify qualities in players uh, that regardless of whether they're three stars, four stars, whatever, qualities that translate to your system and that, that indicate a propensity to improve and hit, you know, hit a ceiling that's, that's higher than maybe what, what is on the surface. And I think that is one area where they did a really good job at Memphis. They, they evaluated well. Um, and I think even the people, even the new staff at Memphis – who's come in and, you know, they, they were, they recruited, you know, kind of instantly maybe some more, you know, quote, um, highly recruited guys, but, uh, then what Fuente staff had gotten, um, previously, but I, th- but having talked to those, those guys, they, they, f- they feel like, um, you know, they were left a pretty good roster and they were left players who, who had talent. So, um, I, I think that, that, Whenever you go from a mid-major job to a power five job, especially one you know where you're expected to be in the top 25, there's a recruiting adjustment that has to take place, and it will for him. Um, but I think you have to give it time and have him you know, develop his strategy and, and see how, how that's all going to play out. I, I wouldn't rush to any judgments. Right. Well, it's exciting for us to hear because, you know, Bud Foster on the other side of the ball, I think one thing he is known for is taking, you know, two, three-star guys and building them up and into, you know, playing like the, the four stars on the on the field. So to see that on the other side of the ball now um, will be will be nice. Um, I think, you know, one of the questions that we had, and I think you, you kind of already touched on it, was, you know, development-focused programs versus kind of your blue bloods that are going to be recruiting, you know, four and five stars, you know, just waking up in the morning. Um, you know, in terms of a development program, um, I would see uh, Michigan State as probably the last example. And I know they still recruit at a high level as the last example of somebody kind of making it to the playoff you know, if you kind of were to look forward, and obviously you've said that the Blue Bloods are going to be winning national championships. You know, how many people in the playoff do you think, you know, year in, year out, are going to be kind of more of your development programs rather than those that um, recruit at a super high level? Well, uh, that's hard to say. I mean, look, the best players are generally going to go to Alabama, you know, Florida, Texas. Um, Ohio State, LSU, you know, on down the line. Um, for a a non blue blood to get you know five star players, typically there has to be some sort of connection, um, you know, or whatever, or or just geographically. Um, I mean, the good news for, for for a lot of these you know programs is like it, it, I, I think the reality for a Virginia Tech, it, to be honest, is that it's largely going to be dependent on the quality of talent in the state. And, and the ability to get that talent, which means some years it's going to be really good and some years it's going to be not as good. Um, but that's where if you have a great coach, then, you know, you're going to win at a higher level than what necessarily you would think based on, on a recruiting ranking. Um, and, you know, that when you talk about Michigan State, they have a they have a great coach. Um there are very few coaches in college football, in my opinion, that are difference makers in terms of their ability to, you know, translate onto the field, you know, because coaches don't play, you know, they're, they're not throwing passes, hand the ball off. Um, and, and so you see the, the coaches who have that difference making ability win year after year after year after year. 
if Fuente is a guy who's got that ability, and I think it's certainly possible that he is based on what he's done in his career so far, then a lot of the stuff about recruiting, I, I don't want to say it's going to be irrelevant because it's always relevant. Um, and certainly the numbers would suggest that, that the more higher-ranked recruiting classes you get, um, then your, your ability to win is, is that much greater. But if he's that kind of coach, then you're less dependent on, oh, are we the seventh best class or the 15th best class? Like that kind of thing, I think, just becomes less important. Yep. Now, that's a great point. Um, and very helpful. And yeah, it's something that, you know, at the end of the day, I think Virginia Tech kind of knows that we're, we're a little bit dependent on what's coming out of that, uh, you know, that Virginia Beach uh, 757, kind of that total area. So it, there's going to be ebbs and flows uh, in the program. Absolutely. Um, getting back to Frank Beamer a little bit, and, and perhaps maybe we have a, you know, false impression of ourselves. But yeah, <laughs> we, we like to think that Frank Beamer ran a relatively, and I say use relatively as an important concept here, uh, clean, clean program. Um, how much of a difference do you really think there is? One, do you think that was accurate um, and, over his tenure? And then obviously there was issues along the way. And two, is there really even a difference or is that kind of blown out of proportion and everybody's kind of going through um, doing the same things to kind of, you know, doing whatever it is that they can to win? And it's just some people get caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Well, it's a tough question to answer because um, I think, generally speaking, um, you know, there's there's not going to be very many programs who do 100% of, of things right all the time. There's always going to be stuff, you know, that, that happens, some of it within the coach's control, some of it without. Um, you know, there's always going to be boosters who find ways to funnel money to, to highly ranked players. I mean, you know, I, I just, like, whenever you have – on your campus, like extremely um, valuable people who within two or three years are going to be making millions of dollars in the NFL and you're relying on those people to be on your campus to help you win football games. Like the idea that that there's not some rule being broken somewhere is hard to believe, um, you know, whether that's some something to do with an agent or, you know, money being funneled to a player or whatever. I think – most people would would say, you know, from the thirty thousand foot view, Frank Beamer was a guy who quote did it the right way and um, you know had a lot of integrity in in how he operated the program. Whether that means everything was always um, you know going the right way, I I, I don't know. Um, I think that that generally speaking, um, when you're dealing with the highest, uh, you know, the highest recruited um, valued players. Um, is there something illegal going on uh, around most of those recruitments? I would say yes. I mean, I think that's that's just not to be specific about anybody or any school or any player. It's just yes. I mean, it, it defies logic to suggest that somebody who has a monetary value, um, even within the context of of college athletics, and that you're not supposed to you know, uh, these are amateur athletes and all that stuff. Um, as long as there is a market uh, to compensate a player in any way, the idea that they would then go somewhere and not take advantage of that is silly. Just to break things up a little bit, what are you drinking over there? Uh, I am having the Double D, Double IPA. Um, this is a Dominion uh, Brewing Company 
out of Dover, Delaware. That's right. Um, you know, interestingly, I don't know. I, I got to look this up. Dominion used to have a. I think it was started actually where I grew up, which was Ashburn, Virginia. There was a uh, Dominion uh, brewery in there. It may have just been like one of their locations, but at that time, Dominion was it was pretty small, uh, and now they're a national kind of brand. So it's a good beer. It's nice. It's a double IPA, which I'm always drawn to. Um, it's nice and, and hoppy, but uh, I like it. How about you? I'm drinking. Uh American brewed Budweiser. And uh, while that's not the most interesting beer we've ever had on the podcast, we were both at the Nats home opener yesterday. I'm back in DC for the weekend and the whole stadium has switched over to all bud products. Um, they used to be the Miller scoreboard walk in the outfield and everything was Miller light. And now it's all bud and it's awesome. So I thought it would be fitting to have some buds today on the podcast. And as you know, it always goes down smooth and is kind of the opposite of all the craft beer that we drink on this podcast. But I always enjoy an ice cold Budweiser. And uh, let's get back to the interview. This is Pete here, and I want to switch gears a little bit to expectations, specifically on the field expectations for 2016. Anyone that's been watching Virginia Tech football over the last couple of years knows that we struggle offensively. And with an overhauled offensive coaching staff coming in, with this QB-focused head coach in Fuente, we're hoping for significant improvement on that side of the field. We've got a lot of skill talent coming back in Isaiah Ford, Cam Phillips, Bucky Hodges, and even our uh, freshman running back, uh, Trayvon McMillan, last year. And we've got a couple choices at QB in uh, Motley and Evans, who was a uh, JUCO transfer four-star, and as well as Dwayne Lawson, who was a blue-chip recruit out of Florida. With a properly motivated Bud Foster defense and Fuente's offense, what do you see as a ceiling for this team in 2016? Well, you don't know until you f- figure out who's going to play quarterback. I mean, obviously, um, that's key of, for any offense. Uh, you know, knowing a little bit about Virginia Tech, I mean, there are, you can look at individually and say, um, you know, and I have not talked to Justin um, about any of this, but I would imagine as an offensive coach, he's looking at it and say, you know, Isaiah Ford, like that's a guy I can work with. You know, Bucky Hodges, that's a guy I can work with. Um, McMillan, that's a pretty dang good player. Um, so all of those, all of that stuff, um, I'm sure they're excited about. Um, and I think, you know, the the history of Justin Fuente will show that there is some, you know, immediate improvement that, that is going to take place. But um, it's also going to be dependent on, you know, how good the quarterback play is that they get. And and I just don't know that anyone really under, knows that. Um, you know, and I, I just been reading a little bit about their spring practice. I know they've been very cagey about, about quarterback and who's going to play and, you know, how they're doing and all that kind of stuff. And I imagine that's going to be par for the course. I mean, if you don't expect to get a lot of information um, out of, you know, a Justin Fuente coached uh coach team in, in, in that respect because um, that's just sort of the way he operates but um, so you know they've got some nice pieces but you know the, it's, it's really all going to come down to the quarterback and I think tr- the reality is where you're really going to see his impact as an offensive coach will be in your you know year two year three or four yeah we were just talking on our last podcast how handicapping this QB race is tough for even us who follow the team extremely closely uh, will it be Motley or Evans are probably the two leaders, but it's hard to say. And until you do find that guy and know their skill set, it's tough to know how it's going to look. But overall, we are just hoping that 
his simplification of our offense as opposed to Scott Leffler will lead to on-field improvement. Well, it's going to be a completely different different style. Um, I mean, they're going to, you know, I know they, they like to do some things with tempo. Um, you know, they, they like to spread you out. I, I've always really loved, uh, in watching his Memphis teams, their running game designs. I, I just thought, you know, the way they would run the ball was brilliant a lot of times. Uh, so, you know, I, I think they'll figure out how to use the personnel um, in the best way they can. But, uh, you know, it's just it, – there's just a lot of unknowns. And you just don't know how the skill sets of the players that are there are going to translate to to what they're going to try to do. Um, and that goes with any new coach at any time. Uh, I, look, Scott Leffler um, had a track record going into Virginia Tech. And when that hire was made, I think we – all who you know knew the landscape of college football sort of were like, well, that's not going to end very well. Yeah, <laughs> and it unfortunately, didn't. that's how it played out. Yeah, so um, you know, we'll just have to see. Yeah. But I, I, I'm I, I'm hopeful for the long for the long haul. I just don't know, but you know, immediately what it, it'd just be a total guess. Yeah, I'm hoping that by the second half of the season, we're seeing that improved offense. It might take a little while to click, like you're saying, but we'll have to see. This being uh, Fuente's first year, uh, first impressions are pretty important and probably going to be overanalyzed regardless of what happens. But what do you think a successful season for Fuente would be this year, like record-wise? Well, without you know, without having gone over their their schedule, you know, with a you know fine-tooth comb, um, you know, when you whenever you have to open with Tennessee, um, who I think is going to be a top you know ten type of team. That's that's difficult, or I guess they don't open. I guess it's week two, you know. So more or less, yeah. So so that's a you know that's that's one non-conference game where um, you know you're probably not going to be uh, favored. Um, we also play Notre Dame on the road. Yeah, also Notre <laughs> Dame on the road. So you're you're looking at basically two non-conference losses, most likely. Um, ho- however, you know you, you get Miami at home. Um, you know, you get uh, you get Georgia Tech at home. You get Virginia at home. They'll, they'll be a bowl team. You know, I, I don't have any doubt about that. But oh, come on, you know, Dan, I mean, a little bit better than that. Come on. <laughs> I mean, you know, just sort of. You know, I'm looking one and you know, you just sort of go through the schedule. Right, so I'm right, looking right. at they start three and one. Um, you know, maybe lose to North Carolina on the road. Three and two, four and two, five and two, six and two, seven. You know, I mean, they could go nine and three. I don't see any reason why that's crazy. Yes, but that I think that would probably be like the high end, right? I mean, yeah. I, I pick. I said eight and four. I, that would be a, what I would consider successful. If we go seven and five, I think we'll be slightly disappointed. But it's also Fuente's first year, so it's disappointed is is relative. But I think the only way I think we'd be truly disappointed is if we didn't go to a bowl. I don't. I think. I think that would be surprising. Would you say that? Yeah, if they if they were so bad as to to not go six and six, I think that would be a disappointment. I don't think that would mean like Fuente's a disaster or he can't coach or that they made a mistake. Um, but uh, yes, I think that would be disappointing. All right, let's talk ACC Coastal then. We've got Bronco Mendenhall now at UVA, Mark Drick at Miami, Fuente at VT, and the coaching talent in the Coastal Division is as deep as it's ever been. Which coach who hasn't been there yet uh, gets their team to the ACC title game first? Fuente. Ricked, Narduzzi, or Mendenhall? And if you pick Mendenhall, we might have a problem. 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would probably go with Richt uh, because I just think the the base is 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 there talent wise, um, and that you know if they can recruit well the first couple years, uh, and I think they will. I think they'll have a head start, and I think um, you know I think Richt is motivated in a way that maybe he wasn't the last few years at Georgia. And I think he's got a good quarterback. And I think that, you know, I just think they're set up for some success um, pretty, pretty quickly, you know, whether that's enough to, you know, to, to get over the hump. I mean, I, I will say this. I mean, the, the division's obviously wide open. Like, like you've seen, you know, North Carolina, you've seen Georgia tech, um, I mean, those were not great teams, uh, but they they were able to to get to the championship game, and um, so if things fall in line, I mean, I, Miami could get there this year, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of my next question: um, Would you pick Miami to win the Coastal in 2016, or do you think someone else will probably take it? I do agree that it's wide open. I just was curious if you had an early favorite. Um, you know, I haven't really studied it enough to to know. Um, you know, and, and, and sort of broken down who's got the easy schedule and who's got the difficult schedules. Uh, you know, that that's that's sort of um, a bit of a mystery. And also, um, you know, and also uh, the uh, uh, Georgia Tech factor. I mean, they were so bad last year. You know, what are they going to be this year? You know, because they're a team, even if they don't win the division, they, they always will have a say in who wins it because, you know, just some people – struggle with their style so um it's interesting yeah georgia tech's always a wild card when it comes down to it like they seem to be in the race every other year if not every year with that with that triple option they run uh and lastly it's my understanding you're fresh up a trip from houston covering the final four i was yeah and so we just want to ask you what you thought about what buzz williams did this year with vt and what do you do you think we'll make the dance next year with the talent we have returning well, I mean, I'm I'm an unabashed uh, Buzz Williams fan, have been for a long time, um, and you know, I'm fortunate enough to have gotten to know him a little bit uh, over the years, and uh, you know, I just think the way he approaches coaching and and the game of basketball um, is so interesting, and and he's so good at at what he does. Um, you know, I, I know when people when he took the Virginia Tech job, I, I know people were sort of like, "Wow, that's weird. Why would he take a dead end job?" You know, and, and my philosophy is, you can always resurrect a program and get it to the NCAA tournament. Like, it's not that hard um, if you're a good coach. Like, there's no hopeless situation. You, you you get a few good players, you get a system, you get a culture. You're going to move up from wherever you are in a power conference to the middle of the pack. And if you're in the middle of the pack in a power conference, you have a good shot of making the NCAA tournament. So I, I had no doubt that this was going to happen. I, I frankly am surprised that he improved them so much in year two, particularly after they lost to somebody ridiculous like early in the season. Alabama State. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. So, um, But obviously what he's doing there is taking hold. And, yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know that I'm sitting here saying today, like, yeah, they're going to get to the NCAA tournament next year because I, I don't know that much about, you know, college basketball or whatever, you know, in terms of, you know, who's going to be the 43rd best team in the country. I, I just don't know. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, 
like they're improving. They're obviously on the come, so why not? Like Buzz is a good enough coach that he's not going to just keep losing. Yeah, we certainly hope so. We we're bringing back a ton. We had a couple guys transfer, which is bound to happen. But uh, but we're we're a lot of high hopes for both football and basketball next season. And we don't want to keep you any longer. We know you got a lot of stuff going on today, so we really appreciate you coming on. We just wanted to, I guess, close out with like if you have anything coming up you wanted to mention or or anything. No, just uh, you guys. You know, appreciate you you having me on and and. You know, I, I don't get up to Virginia Tech that much, but uh, obviously if, uh, you know, if Justin does what I think he's he's going to do, then uh, it, it will be a place where national media come in more often. And, and you know, I just think that, that Virginia Tech with Whit Babcock, um, you've got a guy there as the athletic director who really knows what he's doing. He's made really good hires. Uh, and, you know, and I think it definitely on the right trajectory. Well, yeah, Hokie fans love love um, what he's been doing uh, with the program. Three solid hires in a row. Uh, got the JMU uh, women's back- basketball coach. Dan Wilkin joined us USA Today. Follow him on Twitter at Dan Wilkin, D-A-N-W-O-L-K-E-N. Um, follow him there. Also, subscribe to the Football Forward podcast. It's great. Um, we listen every week. It's one of the best uh, national podcasts out there. So if, if you're into college football, definitely listen. And Dan, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Dan was actually the first um, person that I had reached out to uh, on kind of as a one of the national um, writers that covers you know all programs versus one program and the reason I did it um, was because he kind of tells it like it is um, you know he, he just as easily could come on and say you know he expects Virginia Tech to win the coastal but uh, he doesn't really change his colors based on people he has opinions on things and that's what I wanted uh, you know us to hear about the program was you know kind of an unfiltered look at it and um, I think he he did a great job and you know kind of told it how it is. I love that he um, knows a lot about Fuente, knows even more about Buzz Williams. I thought that was a unique uh, aspect of, uh, of things. Yeah, I thought it was really cool that he said he kind of had a chance to meet Buzz a couple times and is a unabashed, is that what he said, uh, yep. admirer of Buzz Williams and how he goes about his business. So that was definitely cool and just and always interesting to hear, like you were saying at the beginning, the national perception of tech because sometimes we do get caught up in our in our own little bubble and um i thought he did really well explaining some of the things we had to ask him so that'll wrap it up for today thanks again for listening make sure to hit us up on twitter it's at 2dvt hit it and make sure to also check out our website which you can stream every one of our episodes including this one it's 2dvt.com and if you have any questions you want to email us it's 2dvt.com at gmail.com. And until next time, go Hokies.